Welcome to Addressing Dress, an audio production of the Dress Syndrome Foundation. The foundation and this podcast are aimed at educating patients and the medical community about drug reaction with eosinophilia in systemic symptoms. I'm Connie Stevens, and we hope that here you'll find important resources and support as together we learn more about this severe form of drug hypersensitivity. Now, over the course of the next two episodes of Addressing Dress, we're going to be talking about the herpes virus known as HHV-6, as numerous studies have linked the reactivation of HHV-6 to dress in susceptible patients with specific culprit drugs. We met several experts studying the link between the virus and dress at the 2019 annual HHV-6 Foundation's Medical Conference in Quebec, And we're going to bring you thoughts from top global researchers. In this episode, we feature Kristen Loomis, the co-founder, president, and executive director of the HHV6 Foundation. Now, a preview, we're going to be discussing the treatment of dress, and that treatment must begin with early recognition and immediate withdrawal of the offending medication. Systemic corticosteroids are the gold standard for treating dress, and a long, slow taper of steroids is necessary. But in this discussion with Kristen Loomis at the conference, we're talking about the importance of antiviral therapy in the most serious dress cases. The mission was to try to promote research into this virus because it's underappreciated, has absolutely no NIH funding. So we attempted to try to organize conferences, give out small pilot grants, and resuscitate some research. There was a little bit of research when it first came out, and then after that, none. So we're trying to reinvigorate research, give out pilot grants so that scientists have enough to go to the NIH or you know try to get government funding. You've had dress on the agenda for a few years. Yes. Tell us about coming to that conclusion to address. There are enormously high HHV6 viral loads associated with dress, and nobody understood why. That was always a mystery to me, and so we tried to make it a focus to try to encourage scientists to look at it and document it. Um, in this country, they don't uh, test routinely for HHV6, but they do in Japan, regardless of why the HHV6 viremia occurs it's important that it be treated. And so we're trying to raise awareness among physicians so that they can treat it and prevent it from progressing to organ failure. Because we're convinced that the HHV-6 is implicated in the organ failure. There have been three or four case studies where they've documented very clearly that drug hypersensitivity syndrome can progress to HHV-6 viremia and then on to organ failure either liver failure, heart failure, renal failure, and occasionally encephalitis, also pneumonia. So we think a lot of these end organ manifestations are a direct result of the HHV-6 in combination with the with other factors. And unfortunately, high-dose steroids given in the absence of uh, an antiviral probably enhances the progression to serious organ failure or death. No physician can say this, but I think it's unethical to administer high-dose steroids without first 
checking for HHV6 viremia because if they're activated, and we know at least half of cases have HHV6 viremia, or sometimes it's CMV viremia, but they have viremia, and to give them high-dose steroids in the absence of even checking for it, I think is irresponsible. It needs to be changed. We need to raise awareness. We need pressure on the physicians to make the change. And this is a slow process. Physician associations have committees that look over this and they want a lot of data and you have to have a meta-analysis and no one is in a hurry. So it's really important for patients to be informed and to know that if uh, either someone in their family or one of their friends uh, has a drug hypersensitivity reaction, they need to demand an HHV6 test and they will need to demand that they get the results immediately and they need to know to demand an antiviral. If they're going to get high-dose steroids and they have a viral load that's detectable in the plasma, they must also be covered with an antiviral uh, or it's a dangerous situation. Now, you know, unfortunately, the doctors cannot, they cannot uh, give an antiviral because it's not covered by insurance and because the committees of the dermatology associations don't have that in their guidelines. So they would be criticized. Some of them may know. I think most of them don't know because it's not covered in the dermatology conferences. They, they're not aware that there's this viremia that they should check and that there's an, a perfectly uh, reasonable antiviral to give that's, you know, uh, gancyclovir in a patient who's, you know, not a transplant patient is perfectly safe. So is foscarnet. They're both perfectly safe. There's no reason not to give uh, foscarnet or gancyclovir to a patient with severe dress. So this is coming down to guidelines. The guidelines need to be changed. Before the guideline can be changed, there has to be a study. And it's very difficult in a condition like this because only a small percentage are going to have this drug reaction. So um, just do a prospective trial is expensive. It has to be a multi-center trial almost because you, otherwise you won't get enough patients. It either has to be a major hospital which takes uh, funding. So because it's a rare disease, it's going to be difficult to get such a trial, at least in this country. I think in Japan, where they have more drug hypersensitivity, there's more interest. It may be the same in China. The hospitals over there are huge, so they'll have one hospital for 20 million people. You have a centralized hospital and you can set up a protocol. And you're talking about money and the funding, but then the other part of that are the relationships, which it's evident that you are helping forge global relationships that probably do quite a bit to fast track some of this work. Right. Well, I think, you know, holding um, a conference like this allows you to get uh, scientists from different fields. And so if you get a chemist and a, a molecular biologist and a dermatologist and virologists all together in the same room, they have ideas and they can cross-pollinate. So that is important to have uh, somebody bringing it together. This virus crosses many different conditions. Because of that, you know, perhaps it's better because we bring in different types of researchers together. We bring clinicians and scientists and often in the medical field, everyone's in a silo. So the academic clinicians just go to clinical conferences, virologists go to the virology conferences, and they don't cross-pollinate. The conferences that we have are unusual in that regard because we do have both the 
clinicians and the scientists, and we try to knock the heads together. Do you think that um, somebody like Tasha coming up with a foundation for dress and waking up every morning, figuring out what she can do to get more information out, how can this be more useful? What advice do you have? Encourage patients to use extreme measures with their doctors and to push back. I think that dress patients and their families need to push back. And I think the more that the physicians hear this opposition, we don't sit back and say, okay, I'm going to take the steroids and I'm just going to follow these guidelines. I mean, you have to realize that you're in this period where it's going to take 10 to 15 years, most likely, to get those guidelines changed. So in the interim, patients need to fight. They need to fight to have appropriate antiviral treatment. Common sense suggests it's very obvious that patients with a high viral load need an antiviral. So, for example, in the transplant world at University of Washington, they'll treat a plasma viral load of 200 copies. I mean, you know, so even low. At some institutions, they say, okay, just over a thousand. Some say over 5,000. Depends a little bit on the sensitivity of their assay. If it gets to 50,000, they're at risk for encephalitis. Chances are you're going to get encephalitis or organ failure of some kind. But in dress, the viral loads are incredibly high. I strongly suspect that this is the reason for the high rate of mortality in dress is because of this HHV6 reactivation. So yes, you also need steroids. I think they've shown that if you don't give steroids, the risk of autoimmunity goes up. You need both. You need, we really need both. Low-level steroids actually can help um, prevent HHV6 reactivation. So it's ironic. Uh, a low-level is actually very good because it lowers the interleukin-6, which keeps the HHV6 moderate high dose, you lose all the beneficial effect. And if you have a virus that's responsive to steroids, it's going to take off. It won't take off immediately, but it'll take. It'll start to take off. Two days to 10 days later, you may be in very bad shape. You're talking about several different factors because there's the diagnosis, there's the testing. There. What does dress need in order for us to really see the needle moved? I think that Patients need to bug their doctors so that raise awareness. Patients need to send the doctors the papers on HHV6 reactivation and dress. Patients need to make a lot of noise. Then really what we need are studies. The only way to get those studies are for the doctors to decide, okay, you know, they feel guilty enough or enough patients have bothered them that they'll go and try to get some funding or apply for a grant or they'll assign a uh, fellow to collect data. If you can convince a doctor to do a study, that adds to the literature and to the to uh, the burden of proof. The other thing is to write to the head of the Dermatology Association and said, when are you going to update it? What's your schedule for updating this? This is a very serious problem. Here's the research. We don't think it's ethical to uh, give these high-dose steroids. And so you, you, you really must address this because uh, you could be doing harm. You're not supposed to do harm, but they're doing harm by giving high-dose steroids in the presence of a high viral load. If it happened to me, I would sue the um, physician in the hospital. That can get some attention because it's really unethical, in my opinion. You know, it's forgivable if they don't know. 
But at some point, it's unforgivable that they don't know. They should know. Editorials, letter to the journal, I think polite emails, polite but persistent to the heads of the dermatology associations that set the standards and say, you know, we'd really like to know what your timeline is for coming up with standards. And, you know, on what basis do you assume it's okay? to give high-dose steroids in the presence of, of a high viral load because we know there's data that it causes the viral load to increase dramatically. So why do you assume it's safe? Where's your proof that it's safe? Ask them to prove it's safe. It's not. They can't prove it's safe. These physicians who set the guidelines need to be shamed. Before predisposing drugs are given, it would be nice to do two things. Check and see what the peripheral uh, if you've got low-level HHV6, and then check for these HLAs. And then you just make a decision if it's safe. So I think, in part, the science isn't quite there in terms of prevention. But the science has certainly progressed enough that you know that if the viral load is high, you have to give an antiviral. That's pretty simple. Figuring out how to prevent it is more complicated, and a lot of science has to take place first before we can get to that point, and we have to be able to have an inexpensive screening for the HLAs. It is somewhat sad and scary to think of patients needing to take this into their own hands. What can they test? Can they test for HHV6, and how would they do it? No, it, it, it isn't practical to test before. All of the tests here are on plasma. A plasma DNA would only be something you'd find if you were acutely ill. The test that would be relevant, which is what they did in China, is low-level, it's kind of latent DNA in the peripheral blood, in the whole blood. Uh, so if you have a lot of latent HHV6 DNA in your peripheral blood cells, that means you reactivated recently, you know, because it's still there. So um, those people are more at risk. But that's those tests aren't even, there are only two labs in the U.S. that do whole blood testing for HHV6. So that's not practical. However, the two simple things that families and public needs to know is that they have a drug reaction. They need to keep monitoring two weeks later, three weeks later. They need to monitor for HHV6 plasma viremia. They need to know that they need to demand an antiviral if they're given high-dose steroids or you know some kind of immunosuppressive drug. That's all you can do right now is to react against it and just be aware that certain drugs are more likely, uh, that it's a small chance that you might have that allele. But they could know that if they are frequently ill, they've recently had mono, they have an immune deficiency, they're going to be more vulnerable to a drug hypersensitivity. It's really hard when you have a physician in a white coat telling you, oh, no, you just need some steroids, everything will be fine. No. Patients exposed to this need to know that it's life-threatening and they're at risk and they really need to be on top of the viral reactivation and protect their organs against uh, this virus, which can be devastating. And there are going to be a lot of patients um, from the past that don't realize that this is what happened to them. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. Demand hospital records. Yeah. You must have to walk around pretty frustrated. Very frustrated. It's not the only condition. I've been trying for five years to get the uh, American Thoracic Society to change their guidelines because HHV6 does get into the lungs and transplant patients. It causes 
so-called idiopathic pneumonia syndrome. Idiopathic means you don't know what causes it, but in a big percentage of cases, it's actually HHB6. So it's similar to dress because what happens is that they don't know what's causing the pneumonia, so they give high-dose steroids. And guess what? A lot of them die. Is it because the HHB6 took off? Probably. It's a long haul to make a difference, but the only way to make a difference is to really dig in, get more studies done. Eventually it'll change, and I think it's really helpful to also uh, get as many patients as possible demanding that their doctors consider it, or at least do the testing. Again, that was Kristen Loomis, co-founder, president, and executive director of the HHV6 Foundation. We thank this organization for their steadfast support of the efforts of the Dress Syndrome Foundation. On our next episode of Addressing Dress, we'll hear again from renowned French physician, Dr. Vincent Decomp. He'll be discussing antiviral treatments, as well as the possibility that some dress cases may be exacerbated by high-dose steroids. Thank you for joining us. You can find out more on our website, dresssyndromefoundation.org, and please share what you've learned. It may save a life.